0: The thing, Aldo, is that you, um, you had these great ideas.
1: Twatter is a vaginal only social media network.
0: And, you know, you constantly write us talking about, uh, like, no one's listening to the podcast, what the fuck's going on, all this stuff.
1: I mean, there were hipsters and regular whites. It was a really diverse crowd.
0: You just need to kind of keep getting your reps. Keep doing this and stick to it. Great.
1: You went to a mall and saved 30% on a flat screen TV. I went for a dog walk and it was worth more than that 300 bucks because I didn't hang out with the worst people on earth at a fucking mall.
0: It's not going to be a year from now. It might be two years from now, but you got to kind of stick through this and see it through because I see great things in your future, especially now with Max and Saul and The Fold and everybody. And Baker and I can say that we were here from the beginning. Welcome to Landline Podcast. I'm a professional voiceover artist that Alex could never have actually gotten unless I was his friend from 10 years ago. And now it's time to talk Pat's football with a couple of assholes. Three old friends using sports as a way to stay connected. You're listening to Landline. Landline. Hello. Mike, are you there? I'm here. Baker there?
1: Baker's Here. Sitting right here on the toilet, Mike. How you doing, buddy?
0: Good to hear your voice, buddy. It's
2: good to hear your voice, too. I wish you were here in the bathtub.
0: <laughs> Me, too.
1: So excited. Good mo- Saturday morning. So excited to have everyone here. Um, we're, Mike, we're really in good shape. We've got Baker in studio. He's dressed in his gray Pat's long sleeve his like soccer warm up pants and his Ford Sayer hat. He looks like a million bucks, but he feels like shit. He walked into my house saying that he had a little bit of a mental breakdown last night. So I think we're really in good position to get, get some some exciting content. Do you how left out do you feel right now? Is this the most left out you felt in like the last few months?
0: Uh no. I mean this this time of year is rough. Uh calling my family. This is my favorite time in New England, you know fall and they get together you know every weekend and just it's kind of rough but you know it's beautiful day in Patagonia um summer day uh woke up this morning with no hangover which um when that happens I'm like a borderline superhero so I've been running I've been kayaking just did a little yard work and I'm going camping later so it can't be that bad you know
1: Bakers down in Boston for the Patriots game, which we're going to talk about. But um I just thought he could recount his first step um of the Patriots weekend for us and we could uh help him through it. I'm excited. Well, Michael, as in traditional fashion, I I woke I went to
2: sleep last night and and uh realized that I had left the Patriots tickets in Hanover uh, <laughs> after I had about 6 or 7 uh a, heavy IPAs with Alex and, and Anna and Margo doing some candle pin bowling last night. And, uh, you know, I tried my best to just kind of relax, go to sleep. I woke up this morning, I called a few friends uh, and just threw it out there to see if anybody happened to be coming down towards Boston from Hanover. Uh, of course, nobody was. And and then I just sucked it up and, and emailed the the source of the tickets and said, you know, look at I I forgot the tickets up in Hanover, and if you could email me back, it'd be it'd be great. So he's going to end up sending them to us, which saved the save the weekend instead of having to go back up there because Margot and I have a long day tomorrow filled with uh, wedding planning and registry gifts, and then uh, heading on down <laughs> to the Patriots
0: game.
1: Mike, did you have a wedding registry?
0: Oh no! Oh God, no! It was uh, we we did the poor wedding thing, which is we white trashed it and just people to give us money <laughs> it was awesome
1: yeah but you had an amazing wedding so it didn't really matter right i mean i think the wedding registry is the ultimate that's where we had our biggest fight i feel like it's like all i i, I have a, a podcast called landline where i talk about how i hate the industrial uh commercial system in the united states based on the internet and yet i'm signing up to like register for Chinese manufactured all clad saucepans to be bought on macy's.com. It was a it was a really really hard moment for me, I have to say. Um so we went candlepin bowling last night, Mike. When was the last time you went candlepin bowling?
0: Oh my god, 20 25 years ago at least.
1: We had an incredible time. So we went to this place called Sacco's Bowling Heaven or something like that in Somerville, Mass. You walk into like a regular um, st- sort of, you know, storefront and there's a bowling alley and a pizza restaurant inside. It's actually American flatbread with with eight lanes of candlepin bowling. Of course, the place is packed. There's like four yeah hipsters, but also like just regular whites, too. Definitely. I mean, there were hipsters and regular whites. It was a really diverse crowd um, and um, 40 beers on tap. We got in like a three-hour bowling line, had a fun dinner, pounded a bunch of beers. Baker and I looked up the Patriots schedule and tried to figure out who we think's is going to the playoffs from the AFC, um, and then had a nice dinner, got a couple of gluten-free pizzas and some regular free pizzas, um, and then went bowling starting at I think 11 at night, and it was, like, pretty epically fun. It was an, it was definitely a landline-type night. I mean, like, an open fire in a building inside of a city um, where everyone's sort of, like, you know, enjoying beautiful pizza and beer under the um, orange light of an open wood fire and then playing candle pin bowling with all, like, the original machines from the 50s and 60s. Um, it was pretty amazing, honestly. I think there's... Bowling remains to be one of the great, uh, fun things you can do as an alternative to, you know, going and getting bottle service or um, whatever people are doing these days.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, hearing that, it makes me so much more homesick than hearing my family getting together for Thanksgiving. I'd so much rather eat pizza and go candlestick bowling with you guys. Um, Oh, and just, was it, like, old school with, like, like none of the newfangled um, scoring or whatever or anything like that. Just old old machines and
1: stuff. Yeah. So well as pencil it had like golf pencil with paper scoring, which of course oh. I I loved. I was all over that. There were none of those like TV screens with the stupid anime characters of how many pins you got down. Um, you know, usually candlepin bowling, you expect to like be super shitty. Like every time they set the pins up, at least two will be will have fallen down. But the machines actually set it up like nicely almost every time. We didn't figure out that you get three balls until maybe halfway through playing the first game. So we had to adjust. Um, But then Baker was also getting like sort of a combo of his like soccer style and his dance moves at weddings going. So he was doing sort of like aggressive fast pitch curveball that would like spin into the. Things and he was like kind of letting his leg, you know, majestically ride the pine behind him as he like crossed it over, and then of course we were all waiting for it. I mean, he was trying; it was getting closer and closer. He finally just ate shit, and literally his face was in the gutter. Um, <laughs> How many beers in was he? He was like, you know, with him, he drinks, um, he drinks like hoppy IPAs, like they're like um, power smoothies. It's like it's like three big gulps. He doesn't drink a lot of nights, but when he's kind of like my wife in that way, when he does drink, they go down easy. So I don't know. he had six or seven. He wasn't drunk. he was just hamming it up. <laughs> this sounds so amazing.:
2: Mike, you really missed a good time, and uh, you know, the only thing that could have made it better was just you laughing the whole time there.
1: All right, so Mike, what's the uh, football report from Chile? How's your feeling on the NFL season at this point? I mean, can you kind of just give us a, a synopsis of how your, uh, you know, how how your consumption of the Patriots in the NFL has maybe been different with a pregnant wife or the same, or are you just steady Eddie? Like what's going on with you in the NFL right now?
0: Um, I think the biggest thing about being down here is that it's, the weather's the opposite. So football is perfect in the fall because it's getting colder. You know, you don't really want to be outside that much. And, uh, you know, it's a perfect way to spend a Sunday afternoon. And then the difference is, you know, and, and also like, you can have a couple beers, the game's over at four and, you know, it's getting kind of dark out and your day's kind of winding down here, you know, the game is done, and I still have, like, six hours of light after that. And everybody's out, you know, hiking, kayaking, uh, getting their day, you know, taking full advantage of their day. And it's it just kind of sitting down um, and being entitled in to shit. So, um, I guess, what was it, last week? Last week, right? They pl- Who did they play? Um, the Jets. Oh, the Jets. Okay, uh, or no, 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 it was the week before, so the the 49ers game. I I was out um, at my land, kind of hanging out all day, um, and I, I didn't want to, like, ruin everything and, you know, ruin my white, pregnant wife's, like, only chance to kind of get out of the house um, to come back and see the game. Um, so I was like, whatever, we'll just stay out here and we'll go back whenever she wants and I'll just watch the game. Um, from the beginning on, on like a, a recap of the game, basically. So, uh, Meanwhile, we're te-
1: Meanwhile, we're texting you every 14 seconds like a play-by-play, completely ruining your time.
0: No, but I, I don't get those texts. You know, those texts only get to my computer and not to my, you know, I have like a shitty cell phone that, you know, doesn't even handle anything like that. So I'm completely cut off when I'm not near my computer. But what happened was I came home and I assumed the game was over and, you know, turned it on and saw basically the score with two minutes left to go in the game and Ugh. kind of ruined the entire experience for me. So I kind of just watched it, fast forwarded through things and, uh, and you know, a three hour game got kind of crunched down to an hour, but it just kind of ruins everything when you know that uh, the end of the, the score. And then on top of that, the other thing is that, I'm two hours ahead, so those 8 o'clock games, 8.30 games, Sunday, Monday night, start at 10.30 for me, which has been just awful, Uh, especially when I have to get up at, uh, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning to start teaching Korean. Um, So for the Seattle game, which was probably the best game of the year, I thought, uh, I stayed up all night and was like, I'm not going to have any beers. I got a 2 liter uh thing of uh diet coke and drank that and had doritos the whole time and woke up like feeling so much worse than if I had just <laughs> you know it was awful i felt I, I you know brady was right that stuff is poison so it's just it's kind of weird and uh i i it, this is also what, is what makes me feel homesick because football is supposed to be enjoyed in those like colder days and I don't know. I I miss that feeling.
1: Well, it's it's fascinating because you know those movies where there'll be like some sort of like bird or rat that's like the pet of the scientist and that like when the air gets like bad enough because the like aliens have released some gases or whatever, the like super cyclone has turned the coal plants against the people. When that bird dies, it's a signifier that like humans will not survive this atmospheric change. You're like that for the NFL, you move to Chile where you where it 's a different season and there's no um there's no uh daylight savings, and yet you've somehow still are watching the games on the internet even when you the score has been ruined. Like, there's no reason you should be watching these games, and yet you're so obsessed that you do, and the second that you finally give up football, the NFL is going to finally have that board meeting where they're like, we need to fundamentally change what we're offering to the people. Like, Mike, the bird in the cage, has turned it off, and he won't watch anymore.
0: I know, it's so pathetic. I watch it, and I'm like, oh, well, I just want to see if they get in a good rhythm for you know offense, and I'll, I'll be like, well, that wasn't a good drive, and then I'll watch another one, and I'll... I'll, I'll try to skip past the defensive thing, but then they'll do something on defense, so I'll end up watching that. I'll go back and watch that. So, it's yes, yeah, it's
1: pathetic. It is weird, and maybe Baker can jump in on this here. It is sort of – and now you guys should argue with me if you think – because I'm always the one who says this, and you guys say that's stupid. Um, but it's almost like we've been spoiled to the fact where all we're doing is waiting around for the playoffs. So like you just waiting to see if they have a rhythm is basically you preparing for the playoffs – to figure out where your expectations are going to be, and the reality is, back in the day, like 2001 to 2006, they were still somewhat of an underdog story, and it was still new that they would win all these games. You couldn't believe this. I mean, now we're kind of waiting around to see how many people are left when they're in the playoffs to see if um, we think they're going to win or not. I don't know. It just is. It's sort of. It's hard for me to get excited about a, a 49ers game. Um, in the middle of November, and that is, maybe that's the NFL's problem. We're going to get into how we called this Bill Simmons-Malcolm Gladwell uh, article before anybody else, but Baker, do you have a, Do you still watch every game with the same passion? You
2: know, it's funny, I was thinking about that the other day. I really don't, uh, and even lying around uh, and watching the Jets game, uh, you know, I, it was coming down to the wire there, and it was, I realized it was the first time that I felt, I mean, they played like crap, most of the game and it was the first time this season where I was really excited about uh watching them come come through in the end which was very encouraging although we did lose Gronkowski and when you say when you talk about you know how many people are going to be around at the end of the season that's one of the things that I really get worked up about is watching these guys just get obliterated on you know throughout the season and it's really like you know the story of the NFL is how many healthy guys do you have and good players do you have left over at the end of this long season. Um, so, I don't know, Mike. What are your thoughts on the Gronkowski injury? And, and how do you feel about the Patriots moving forward here?
0: I don't even know. I'm, I'm kind of in denial about the whole... Oh, can you guys still hear me?
1: Yeah, you're great.
0: Okay. Um, I'm kind of in denial, I guess, about the whole thing. I haven't really let it all sink in yet. It's just... It, I. I think it'll be probably this weekend when we watch or tomorrow, when we watch the first game without him, you'll realize how important he is, even when he doesn't catch passes, you know, he's such a big threat that he takes, he he makes it easier for everybody else. And even in the running game and all this stuff. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they kind of cope with this. Um, And, I mean, as you were, as we were saying, it's kind of weird that we are watching for the, we're always watching for the future to see how they're going to do in the playoffs. And even, you know, I'm always thinking about the AFC championship game. You know, the most important thing is that game going to be played in Fox or somewhere else is I, that's the only thing I always look for um, in, in the season. Um, But I guess this team right now, they're, Usually the Patriots after Thanksgiving are kind of getting into that rhythm. They're really kind of coming together as a team. Um, and this is when things should start clicking. And now it's kind of like they press the reset button, and it's going to be interesting to see how they how they um, deal with that whole thing.
2: You know, I will say this. I still have the same vigor for watching the Patriots that I've always had. Like, I still get excited about them. I still think about the Patriots each week, and I get you know i look at the schedule and i look at how they play and, and i kind of react to you know my gut feelings about how they're you know what i see on you know on the television and you know moving forward and and how you know it kind of translates to a certain level of happiness or you know unhappiness in my life for the rest of the week but i used to watch all the other nfl games too and and get really into you know watching these teams and analyzing them and I just don't do that anymore. I'm not interested at all in what the NFL has to offer uh, me outside of what the
1: Patriots bring to the table. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, Mike, I want to I wanna ask you a question about that um, that goes back to, like, you know, a little bit of not kidding around but homesickness and living in Chile and all of that. So one of the you know in a recent podcast Saul and I talked about my uh, hard decision of where to live and how i'm having like a really hard time figuring out whether i want to like go and explore and be someone who explores new lands or um be someone who like sticks to what they know and like sort of you know be a, be like a, a, a prince of the kingdom that they always lived in like what where do you want to what kind of person do you want to be an explorer or someone who like protects what they love um but in a way I think the most fascinating thing for me thinking about you watching these games is like you've gone to Chile for many reasons. But one of them has got to be to escape American culture. And American culture is so much about consumerism. And like you're talking about what you did today, kayaking, hiking, raking, you're going to go camping. You can definitely do that in the United States. The people who do that, though, are not usually the types of people who are also watching football. I mean, I guess I can't completely stereotype, but if you're choosing to be outdoors more, you're choosing to watch TV less. And I think as kids, maybe it was just where we were from, or, or maybe it's just what college people do. We watch so much more TV than we do now. But, like, how weird is it for you to be in Chile and then have to watch the commercials or hear, like, the cultural references or see what 60 Minutes is going to be about when, like, Jim Nance announces it in the third, you know, halfway through the third quarter? Like, isn't that such a weird tunnel back into the thing that you decided to leave in the first place?
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I, I think that's the weirdest part about the whole experience is the commercial. And I, I I. can't take it. I don't understand how people can handle it. Um, And it's not even that it's, you know, so many commercials, which it is. It's the same four or five commercials over and over and over again. That's and I mean, it's just, I you know I don't watch TV. I watch, you know, st- like movies off the internet or TV shows on the internet but with no commercials. So watching a game is really um unpleasant for me because I have to um I have to sit through all those commercials and the worst part about it is is that by like the third quarter or something like that after I've had a couple beers I'm like, "Wow, I could really go for a Papa John's pizza." or <laughs> whatever they're pushing (laughs) like that that actually does sound pretty good but it's the kind of thing where i don't think that it's just weird that i don't think people who watch that much tv they don't think that there's anything absolutely ridiculous about it when i think it's probably one of the biggest problems in the culture today is that you're just your mind is getting um inundated with just this constant barrage of of commercialism and everything. And then, you know, there's other stuff like, uh, the other day on, on the news, uh, or not on the news on the internet, I just saw some random clip of, um, of black Friday in the United States. And that just seems so crazy to me. It seems like lemmings running off a cliff. Like, I don't understand how anybody could live in that and how Looking at that kind of society from outside is just incredible to me. Um, so those are the times when I'm happy that I'm out of it. But the bigger thing is that I can see kind of what's going on from outside. You know what I mean? I'm not blind to what's happening. Do you understand what I'm trying to say?
1: Yeah, I uh, 100%. And it's actually a great point of view because you are so far away. I mean, the Black Friday thing, two things on that for me one i i i just i would be so surprised if that's not a fad like if when we have kids our age black friday is still something everybody's talking about at thanksgiving i will be surprised i like i i feel like things like that naturally peter out that's where i actually do have faith in society i feel like you know even now you see the like small business saturday thing american express does national commercials for that sure we can come up with a million reasons why that is actually just a play for them to make more money but it's actually uh it's something it's a, it's a, it's a cultural change that is different um the other thing is i don't see it's like the argument i made with Saul on an earlier podcast about the rewards cards the idea that everyone has all these rewards cards and they're getting five or ten percent off on like band-aids at cvs and all and the and people are like i can't believe i can get all i need to do is have a rewards account Yeah, well, what you're doing is you're giving away all your data to the companies that can turn around and make way more than the 10% you saved by selling your information to somebody else or to like directly marketing to you as a consumer in ways that you can't even understand as a human being. It's like a computer algorithm. And my argument is I would rather forego that $50,000 or $10,000 over the course of my life and have them never know any of my data than save that money incrementally over time. So it's the same thing with Black Friday. Great. You went to a mall and saved 30% on a flat screen TV. I went for a dog walk and it was worth more than that 300 bucks because I didn't hang out with the worst people on earth at a fucking mall the day after Thanksgiving. Like what? I mean, literally what number? If if the three of us had to go on a landline like quest and report back where we all had to spend six hours at a mall on Black Friday. What amount of money do you think we would pay to get out of that the next year? $500? Like, I would start saving every day for the rest of the year to not have to go do that.
0: I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree
1: more. Keep in mind he was walking his dog on Nantucket, but other than that. (laughs) All right, well, here's a Nantucket story to go off on a quick tangent, um, and I'll try to – I mean, first of all, our demographic probably doesn't hate us for mentioning Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. But, you know, whatever. Nantucket is... Island talk? Yeah, let's do a little island talk. Let's do some hot island talk. So went to Nantucket day after Thanksgiving for the weekend. Sort of a family uh, tradition of sorts. Turn the, the baseboard heat on in the house that was inst- installed a few years ago. And basically watch my dad for an entire weekend close the house around you. He doesn't wait until the last day. He just... part starts putting up the storm doors and windows while you're living there for two days. So by the time you leave, you're literally in a cage um, of his making because he's been putting everything away. He turned the hot water off a day early. So when my sister tried to take a shower, it was freezing cold. But anyways, um, so my sister borrowed one of our cars and went down because she went a couple hours early because she was doing this pop-up market on Main Street. And long story short, she lost the keys on Nantucket. So on Sunday afternoon, it's time to take the boat back to the mainland and there's no car keys. And it's like, are they on the Cape? Are they in the parking lot? Are they in somebody's bag? Are they in a coat? Are they on Nantucket? And you like, you know, the, the traffic that you're going to have to face on Sunday afternoon starts to creep in your head. The boat is going to be a mob scene. Everyone's trying to leave an island. It's like worst case scenario. Now, sure, not everyone goes to Nantucket, but the same thing can happen to anyone on a canoe trip when you go away for, um, you know, on a plane. The, the problem is where do you put your keys? If you're going to take your keys away, with you away from the car, you have to be really good at not losing them. So, I mean, and Chris and I were talking about this last night. There's an argument to be made for just leaving your keys on your tire. What is the chance that someone's actually going to steal your car? And, and if they do, like, go ahead, steal my car. Like, I don't know. What are you going to do with it then? So long, long story long, keys were never found. We went back and called a Russian locksmith named Tom from Yarmouth to come down he claimed he could fix it. He makes a new key, but all Here's a little landline framework for you. All keys now have a computer chip in them that ha, This is a 2011 Subaru wagon. This is not a fancy car. That key has a fucking computer chip in it. So in order for the ignition to start, the computer chip needs to, like, match up with the computer someplace. He can unlock the doors. He can turn the key. The key fits. The engine, you can hear the starter motor going, and the car won't start. And every time he opens the door, the fucking car alarm goes off. So for four hours, Anna and I are in the Steamship Authority parking lot with a Russian named Tom with his Chevy Impala with like a uh you know a magnet on it that says like locks are you know locks for you or whatever and he, he never gets it to work ultimately we have to get the we have to pay him 120 bucks and get the car towed to the dealership where they have to make a new key and of course they charge 300 so now after this podcast I have to go back down the cape to get the key from the dealership to get the car to drive it back. Is that—is that a first-world problem? Like, are you so bored with that story, Mike, or do you find anything interesting about it?
0: Well, I mean, doesn't that – it makes everything so much easier now, this whole technology, right? Everything is, is – uh...
1: <laughs> I mean, it's just an argument, A, for oh. never going to a resort community, I guess, but B, for just buying a fucking used car. Like Anna's truck, Anna's 2001 Toyota Tacoma with 160,000 miles on it. All we ever do is put is change the oil and like occasionally get new brakes. And the thing is rock solid. And there's no backup camera. Meanwhile, Baker's got a backup camera and a turbo diesel VW that's been cheating the atmosphere for the last four years. And, and it's, he's been lying to the environment. So, I mean, which is worse?
0: Yeah, exactly. I've I've kind of decided to not buy any car that was made in the 2000s. I think a 2001 Toyota Tacoma would be like my dream car at this point. That's exactly what I want to get into.
2: Do they have cars in Chile that are made past 2000?
0: <laughs> they haven't made them down here yet. But no? Still, so it's not that big of a problem. Are they
2: still on a boat somewhere?
0: <laughs> What's that? Are they
2: still on a boat somewhere?
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll get here next week, but um no no no. no. It's uh it's I just I love kind of mid nineties, older cars and it's it is that thing of not having all that technology um be uh be attached to it. I remember recently a friend who's got a newer car, uh we were at a party and he was
2: Did the whole neighborhood come out and look at it? <laughs>
0: everyone's like wow shiny new car car.
2: <laughs> look at those shiny tires
0: <laughs> but he left the uh he left the radio on because we were li- that's how we were listening to music and the battery died and because that the entire computer system died and so it wasn't like he just had to jump start his battery he had to go get it towed to the dealership um which is so far away and they had to like reconfigure the computer to get it to get it started again. It was ridiculous.
2: Well, technology aside on vehicles, and I'll just jump in on the story real quick and then we can move on from this topic. But um I don't know when was it, October? October that you had my car and then Margot picked it up? Yeah. So back in October, I had parked my car and I, I went on a trip and I left it with Alex and then Margot picked it up and i think like 2 weeks before then i was driving around watertown and some somebody had walked out in front of me and i kind of swerved out of the way and i hit the curb on my front right tire and i hit it pretty hard and at first i was like that's not good i think i could probably will get a flat here well i didn't get a flat but i gashed the sidewall the tire pretty pretty well and I drove it for a couple of weeks, and then I parked it at Alex's. And, you know, I kind of was nervous about that tire, but, you know, I was like, okay, I just got to limp through. Because, like Alex said, it's one of those VW turbo diesels that basically you have to go through the process of the, with the lawsuit and fill out the form. And you'll return the VW. They'll take it in any condition. They'll give you 4000 I, I Mine was leased, so I get, like, $4,000 back, and they terminate the lease. Like, it doesn't even matter what it looks like. You could drive it in there on one tire if you could do that. So, You know, Margo picks it up and I'm like, can you go down Alex's and and grab it? And then I'll, and she's parking it up by her place and she parks it in a way that she kind of like, you know, was backing in. She kind of bumped the curb and the front right tire just completely explodes, which is better there than, you know, on the highway. Right. So I get, I I come in from a trip. uh, I think, I don't know if I was in Vegas or what, and, um, and so anyway, I, I get this, I call AAA, I get the tire replaced, and it's got this beautiful full-size spare, right? But it is a spare tire. So, you know, we put the spare on there, and I'm thinking to myself, well, why am I going to buy a new tire if I'm just going to return this car anyway? And it, and I thought it'd be like a month. So I've been limping around since October on this full-size spare tire and just driving it all around. And last night we were coming back from the bowling alley and we make a turn and we just hear this like, rawr, 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 and everyone in the car is like, uh-oh. We're like, what's that? <laughs> and essentially I've just been like beating the piss out of this VW, you know, hitting speed tables as fast as we can and just having a great time with it. Because the reality is, you know, I'm just going to drive it into the dealership and they're going to cut me a check in about the next three weeks. So just got to limp it home.
1: <laughs> it's like beat, yeah, it's like the last fuck you to VW from from the Americans. It's like uh, it's the equivalent of upper decking the toilet in your car, just beat the shit out of it and then <laughs> return it and say your problem. Um all right, quickly back to football. I don't know where we are. I like where we are. I like where we are, but um um I I don't know. I mean uh so so Mike, it's only going to become warmer down there, but it is the playoffs. Um just briefly back on this the NFL sucks thing. I would say in our first season, this is season three of the three of us doing a loosely uh, related to the Patriots podcast, and I went on a long rant about how I wanted to short the NFL, about how I thought the NFL had reached peak value, and then it could only go down from there, and then over time, there were, uh, you know, a bunch of different reasons would cause the NFL to be worth a lot less to the television networks and to the owners And to the people um, than it had been now. And then obviously, although we have so few listeners on this podcast, one podcast king has been listening because Bill Simmons, who's kind of at his low value to himself, his HBO show gets canceled. He's probably having a major crisis of conscience. He doesn't really know what he offers to the people anymore. Apparently, an inside source has told us that he uh, really is devastated by where he is and he doesn't know where he fits. He's lost his edge. He always is bringing Malcolm Gladwell in when he needs to get a bunch of hits on the Internet. There's a headline from The Ringer, his website, Simmons versus Gladwell, the future of football, sagging ratings, national controversy, horrifying head injuries, shameless greed. The conversation about the NFL has officially changed. Is it too late to fix it? Now, we can go into how great we are and how we were ahead of this, and we can go into the details. Long story short on that, we knew all this stuff years ago. The real the real lead is how come we constantly are ahead of the curve of stating great ideas. And yet I have no not just on the podcast, but on our amazing website, Wish We Weren't Friends, which was basically, as Chris said earlier this week, barstool sports before barstool. I mean, all these ideas. What about the pizza cart? Have you seen how many pizza carts are around the world right now? And yet I come up with all these ideas a year and a half earlier than anybody else and then just either run them into the ground or make no money at all. So, do you what do you guys have to say about that? Mike, you can start.
0: Oh, uh, I don't know, Alex. I think it's not so much us as it is you. You're the one who's always ahead of the curve. And what was your um what was your idea about like patenting stuff before it got uh what were we gonna pad in? Tw- twatter. Water. <laughs>
1: twatter. Oh yeah, let's let's just talk about twatter. Twatter is a vaginal only social media network where you can, fo- you can follow your favorite celebs, porn stars, or just you know people from the office. And it's instead of telling people like where you are or what you're doing, it's just like. You just take a picture of your vagina and it's like, hey, here's my twat on vacation in Cancun or here's my twat after a long day at work or like just went to the gym. My twat's doing great. I mean, think about how many people would would get on that. And yet everyone's like, oh, I can't believe you said that. I guarantee someone's going to make money on that in the next three months.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a great it's a great idea. Um, I think the thing, Aldo, is that you um, you have these great ideas uh and you work hard to to get them kind of started, but uh maybe you don't have the wherewithal or whatever you you don't have maybe the confidence to say to say that what you're doing is gonna work out in the long run um and you know you constantly write us talking about uh like no one's listening to the podcast, what the fuck's going on, all this stuff um but from my. Point of view, I've been listening recently. I mean, I've, I've listened to basically all of them, and I think the quality is getting better, and especially your hosting abilities are getting much better. So I think you just need to kind of keep getting your reps, keep doing this, and stick to it. And, you know, it's not going to be easy, and I think you just got to think that it's not going to be a year from now, it might be two years from now, but you, you got to kind of stick through this and see it through because. I see great things in your future, especially now with Max and Saul and the Fold and everybody. And Baker and I can say that we were here from the beginning.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, Mike, I agree one hundred percent with you. Speaking of which, I was over here last night, and we and Alex was having his typical meltdown about the podcast. And you know, we were trying to provide him with a therapeutic session, and that is exactly what I said. I said, "You got to keep going." I think you're getting better at it. You know, you got good people on now. I mean, honestly, Mike, I mean, you probably agree with me. You and I are probably like, you know, the the, the anchors at this point. You know, we, we're we probably holding him down from all his greatness. You know, we need to come on. Oh, every, definitely. We need to come definitely. on every once in a while and just talk some shit. But, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, he's got good guests and he's got a good thing going and he's pretty embarrassed right now, I can tell. But, um, you know, I think you're right. 100% I said those exact same things last night.
1: All right. Well, thank you guys for the compliments. I appreciate that. The pro you know, there's twofold. One is that the problem is the only way to get this going is to do everything very on landline, but I refuse to do it. This is we're going to we're going to we're going to build popularity without going on Facebook. That's the goal. Meanwhile, just to give myself a plug a little confidence uh you know, why don't I just get on my soapbox for 2 seconds here? Guess what, assholes? I am right about this and I am ahead of the curve hey, Facebook really worked out for all you liberals last election, didn't it? The Russians created bots that created fake news that got everyone to believe things that weren't true. So glad you spent all your time on Facebook at work. And like, hey, doesn't everyone love being in public where everybody's on their cell phone? It's so much fun. You never get to have a real conversation. You never get to lock eyes with anyone. You never actually just get to like randomly share the space with someone you don't know and you're not gonna see again as a way to humanly interact. Instead, everyone can just look Look at their fucking twatter feed and figure out like where Paris Hilton is going to like vacation in Bali this year. And um, also, I don't know, whatever else I said is true, too. So <laughs> there you go. I mean, I just I think the this is where I was. The thing I was saying to Chris is that the branding of the podcast needs work. I need to always use landline as the framework if the podcast is going to be called landline. But I see people I see people constantly going more and more down a hole, and I just feel like the the laws of economics will make all this shit um, balance out. Like we had such a good time last night because we were in an old building full of like old fashioned decorations and a fire and candlepin bowling, and the place was raking money in. I bet they did twenty five thousand dollars in revenue between four o'clock last night and midnight and the people who work there seem to be having fun. They're supo- supporting local beer, local liquor. They're using old technology to entertain people. There wasn't a screen in the fucking place except bigger as cell phone when we were looking up what the Raiders schedule is for the rest of the year. And you know what? That's that's how people have fun. Like, hey Peter Thiel, you want to live forever by d- designing some fucking crazy brain screen with all those Silicon Valley people fine like Basically, I can sum it all up by saying that on the local news before Chris came over last night, they were showing a story of some stupid idiot in Rhode Island who was on Facebook Live broadcasting himself going 114 miles an hour in his, like, souped-up Honda Accord, and then he just crashed in the guardrail and totaled his car and, unfortunately, didn't die and I, in one way, I think, why don't we just get everyone to accelerate that faster? If everyone can start acting like that, we can kill off some of these fucking idiots that are ruining our society. But I just, I feel like that is the sort of apex of the problem. Like, don't go on Facebook Live. Never do Facebook Live because you're 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 party to people like that. That's what I have to say about that. Um, anything else? Is that Was that good? Bad? Terrible?
0: That was good that was good you gotta you gotta know what's what's gonna be work out in the long run and all this stuff is just it can't keep going like this and you know with every shift there's a shift back and whatever so it seemed like the the country was going one way for a while and now it's going to go a different way for a while um and there will eventually be this kickback where you are right about this the only thing that is going to save this world, this whatever is, you know, community and, and, and getting things down to more local kind of thing. So again, have confidence in yourself. You're right. And just have some fucking patience. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah.
1: Don't get off your soapbox, Alex. Stay right on there. Don't. All right. Um, well let's talk football here, gang. Um, Patriots, we're going to end with a little fo- hot football talk. Baker, you're going to what? How many games have you been to this year?
2: This
1: is five. Baker's going to his fifth game. Four in New England, one in Cleveland. Um, we are playing the Rams. They are probably still two, two touchdown um, overdogs, favorites. Um, no Gronk. I think we are going to not... Understand the problem with No Gronkowski until we're playing like at Denver or against the Ravens, and our offense becomes one-dimensional. You can only go to Hogan and Edelman so many times. The the thing about Gronk is he really opens up the open. You know, he gets two people to guard him, and he's down the seam, and then there's the availability of running running backs and receivers to the outside. So we're gonna we're gonna feel the the impact of that. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, who do we think can beat the Patriots in the playoffs? Like. I don't think anyone, you know, to sum up all of our points of view on what team they are, we're probably all in concert in the fact that they are better than most teams, but they're not as good as the teams that have won Super Bowls. But the question is, who is good in this NFL? Like, Baker and I were talking last night, like, I don't think the Raiders can beat the Patriots in in the playoffs, maybe even at home, because I just don't believe that a young team has the ability and a coach. I mean, Jack Del Rio is an okay coach to strategize and pull through in that situation. But, you know, I also – I have a hard time imagining them, like, holding the trophy at the end of the year right now. But who is going to hold it? Is it going to be the Cowboys?
2: Uh, Well, we won't see the Cowboys until the Super Bowl. Um, But, yeah, I don't really – I think Alex and I were talking about this last night uh, pretty significantly, but I don't understand who in this um, – AFC is going to be able to take out the Patriots, especially if they have home field advantage. And I would say right now that they probably will win the rest of their games unless they sit people at the end and they lose in Miami. And I mean, Alex thinks Miami's a good team. I don't see it. Uh, Gronkowski's injury is a significant one and I'll be probably not the first and probably not the last person to say, I'm not sure we'll ever see Gronkowski on a football field again. And I don't know how you feel about that, Mike, but, I read this really interesting article about Gronkowski um yesterday and before he came out of college his father and his family took out a 4 million dollar insurance policy on Gronk's. and if he never came into the NFL he could walk away with 4 million dollars and Gronk said to himself well you know I I could have walked away with 4 million dollars in the bank and 160,000 dollars basically per year with interest, and he turned it down for an opportunity to make a lot more money and to play in the NFL. But that gives you like a little bit of insight in the, the thinking of that family. And now I think you know this is his third spinal injury, right? Third surgery on his back. He's had one on his knee. He's had one on his ankle. He's had three on his forearm. And how many for many other issues, you know, soft tissue and whatnot. He's had. And you got to just wonder at what point. Do you think that this guy is going to say, you know, I got X amount of dollars in the bank. I, I don't need to sacrifice myself anymore. And especially with the spine, because I was I was listening to a former Patriots uh, uh, doctor yesterday on the, on the radio. And basically he's saying, you know, the knees are fine. You can come back from nose. All the, the ankles are fine. They know how to treat all these things except for the spine. And the spine is one of those things that, you know, three surgeries before the age of 27 on discs in your back. I just don't see how I just don't see how he's gonna keep coming back from his injuries. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Mike. But those are my feelings.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really sad, actually. I I, I you know I don't know anything about the medical side of it or whatever, but I mean, it's it's just incredible to say to see probably the best, the most dominant player at his position. I would say even more than Brady. That we've ever seen, you know, almost end his career maybe at before the age of twenty seven. That being said, I think if anyone can get through this, it would probably be Gronkowski because he's such a nut about, you know, just working out and getting things in. But Jim, as-
1: Jim, Jim tanning laundry like uh, the situation from uh, whatever yeah. that that Jersey show was oh, Jersey Shore.
0: Yeah. Besides the situation, sorry <laughs> if. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's really it gets back um, kind of uh, to what Alex was saying about it. It's incredible to see that you know the the biggest stars in this sport can be cut down before they're thirty. You know, at some point that's got to catch up to the league. Well, and uh,
1: well, yeah, that's I mean that's such an interesting point, right? Like remember when we were kids, like we were like whatever twelve or I don't know the the years that well in my head, but between ten and sixteen. Um, what Like, Jerry Rice played forever. Uh, Marvin Harrison played forever. Ben Coates, which is a Patriot who a lot of people don't know as much, played a long time. He played a long time, right? And But it's like, it it does go back to the whole rules changes things. Like, Mike Ditka, I think, is the one who said like they should play in leather helmets because people would get injured less. And then you look at how you're not allowed to hold anymore. I heard some caller on the radio a couple weeks ago talk about how they should let holding on every play because then you could at least, like, sort of hold the guys up instead of letting them get full speed and hitting them in the open field – And it's just fascinating. Someone should write the book about how all the rule changes behind the scenes to combat the Patriots' success have ultimately fucked Gronkowski. Like, think about that angle. Like the idea that like Bill Polian changed all those rules with the way that the Patriots' defensive backs would hold against the Colts in Peyton Manning's like you know top few seasons. There's a whole game behind the game to change the international rules or the NFL rules of football. To make the Patriots regress back to the mean because they're just so much better than everyone else. And then you have Belichick seeing that nobody was going to use the tight end the way that they did anymore. So he drafts Hernandez and Gronkowski. And kind of that has been, in a way, the reason that they've been so successful on offense for the last six years. Like the first six years, I would say if it's been 15 years since they've started being successful, the first eight were based on much different strategy than the last eight. And he, you know, I've said this before. He's a when everyone else is zig zigging, Belichick zags. When everyone else is zagging, he zigs, and it's an incredible strategic way of looking at whatever industry or decision making thing you need to do. And yet, they seem to be constantly trying to fuck with the things that he likes to do in order to not let him dominate the league.
0: Yeah, and on top of that, I think another thing that is is happening is that the the players back in those days just weren't these ridiculous superhuman athletes who are so strong so fast and I think that at some point there's got to be like a point they get to like a breaking point you know like there's only so many fish you can take out of the ocean before they can't regenerate and and uh repopulate you know there's got to be something with that there's these they can't keep getting faster and stronger if they're going to be hitting each other this hard because at some point, well, maybe this is the point. We're going to see what's happening to Gronkowski more and more and more.
2: I still think he's done. Um, I will say this, though, about the Patriots moving forward, just to bring it back to kind of the original thought, was how are we going to how are the Patriots going to do for the rest of the season? And I think one insight that Bill Belichick had during a press conference was, you know, the, the question was asked, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, you know how how are you guys going to do without Gronkowski and this was before you know when he had the the bruised lung and pa- and Bill's response was basically we're getting used to it and that gives you a little bit of um i think just kind of where their frame of mind is and yeah it's a huge loss but we still have Bennett who we didn't have in years previous like a big physical tight end to kind of at least fill that void but on top of that, you have you know the rise of Malcolm Mitchell. You have Chris Hogan. You have Edelman. You have Amendola. You have three healthy running backs. You have a stabilized offensive line. And you have Tom Brady still, who think I think is playing probably one of his best seasons in his career, which is amazing at whatever age he's at now, 39. So, you know, I just feel more confident now. Like, I took the news so much better this week that Gronk was out than I could have, than I have in the past when we knew he was going down. So, you know, moving forward, I think the Patriots are going to win out, maybe lose at Miami. They're going to go to the playoffs with home field advantage,
1: and and then we're going to see Dallas in the Super Bowl. So Baker, you got how many home, how many more home games are you going to go to? You got you have the the St. Louis game, and then you are going to go to the Ravens Monday Night game, and then do you have the play? Do you have uh, right of first refusal on the playoff tickets? He says yes, folks. we got to share a mic here. And you're going tomorrow with your lovely fiancé and number one landline uh, fan, Margot. Are you and Marge going to tailgate? Because I know that the tailgate team is not coming together tomorrow. Or are you guys going to go to the CBS scene, have a couple of 20-ounce Bud Lights, and try to catch a, a view of Scott Zolak pregame? What's your plan in terms of the no tailgate pregame, if that's the way you're going? Well, I think the tailgate's going to start at Crate and Barrel
2: tomorrow during the wedding <laughs> registry. <laughs> so, I'll make sure that they have uh champagne or some sort of m- 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 mimosa. Uh I guess get that going there. And then we'll slide down. We'll probably park at Steve's Drake's house, walk the path, walk into the CBS scene or maybe I don't know, what's that Italian place they have there? Davio's. Davio's, maybe go there for a for a bloody mary. Kind of really, although it is a 425 game, so no you sure? Look it up. Oh, I think man. it's 425. Tomorrow? Yeah, it's yeah. 1,
0: right? It's 1, it's one o'clock game. Yep. Yeah. No way
2: they'd be playing the Ravens. I mean, the the Rams. Oh, speaking of which, Mike, your favorite team and your favorite coach, Jeff Fisher, coming to Foxborough tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anyway, that's what my tailgates say. I, I don't think we're going to set up and do the whole thing. I think we're just going to go and kind of cruise. And the other thing I want to do is I want to get into the stadium early. I want to, like, you know, which is something that we've never done. I want to get in there early. I want to take in the scene. I want to, you know, take some pictures. Maybe, you know, just cruise around and and just get a feel for the warm ups and all that. Because we're usually, you know, we're out there, you know, you know, rushing down as many high lifes as we can and and you know, sh- packing up the suburban when you know and then trying to fight the line. I just want to like take it easy and have a good experience with her.
0: Does Margot like football? Like, is she a football fan?
2: Um, I mean, she likes it. I she I wouldn't say she you know like overly cares one way or the other. Uh, but I just you know I, I go to all these games and I bring all my friends and it's really fun and we have a great time. And and at the expense of you know when when she lives in Boston and I live in New Hampshire and we travel back and forth and I take an entire Sunday out of it. You know I just think it's <laughs> I think it's good. And you know what? It's gonna be a historic win. Win number two hundred one for Tom Brady.
1: Oh, that's
0: right. Um, the reason I asked was a couple of years ago, I was on a trip back to the States, and uh, I brought my wife, Rocio, who hates football more than anyone, um, to a game. And it was funny, I brought her, I was like, I got to show her the things that I like and the things that I grew up with. And I took her to a fish concert and to a Patriots game, and she fell asleep at both of them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: She fell asleep at the Pats game. How do you do that?
0: She fell asleep at the Pats. Well, I mean, uh, she found a place that sold wine, so uh, that was pretty much the end of it, right there. <laughs>
1: I, I'll never forget the first Patriots game I ever went to was with my dad, and you know he's not one to really like large public um, events. And anyways, it was the Browns, and you know we did the whole. Th- I mean, we didn't tailgate or anything. We just parked and went in. I was probably eighteen or something. Right when we got to the seats, I think it was halfway through the first quarter, the guy sitting next to us was dead asleep because um, he had gotten so drunk in the parking lot. And then the game was 9-6 pats. It was it, We saw five field goals and then drove home. It was like the, the worst game of all time. Um, so... Um, so, Mike, uh, so it's going to be summertime in Chile, so you're camping at your land tonight. What's the update on the land? Do we, You know, over the course of your landline appearances, you've purchased the land, you've chainsawed the land, you put up the fence, you kicked off the Boy Scout troop. Where are we today?
0: Uh, well, it, we're basically at a, a, a stall because we have no money. But um, uh, I've... This architect has moved to Futolafu from uh, Santiago, who is a really cool guy and who I've become friendly with. We go out and we go shoot the bow and arrow at my land from time to time. And basically, we've been meeting with him, talking about the way we want our house and different ideas and whatever. And he's really, really cool. Um, And now we just have to find a way to get the money and we'll be uh we'll we 'll start in that process but i don 't know if I told you this about uh well actually it, it was at the beginning of this year so almost a year ago the the biggest step I made to making to to actually building my house was one of the oldest houses in fujilafu um was recently torn down, and ever since i moved here i 've always looked in and been like, oh my god, this place is in like it, it was basically falling down and all I wanted to do was buy all the wood from the house. Cause there's these huge old beams and these beautiful floorboards and all this stuff. Um, and they tore it down and I bought all the wood. So, um, I've been, you know, looking for different places to store the wood and stacking it and moving it around and doing all this stuff. So, uh, that's a pretty big, that was, that was probably the, the first big step we took towards, uh, towards actually having a house and and every time we go out there now we just say to each other god damn it we don't want to go back home we just want to live here so hopefully we'll find a way to get some money sometime soon
1: that's incredible by the way um that that happened uh like that so serendipitous who's who who does that happen to who's like i wish i wish i could somehow get all the wood from that house and then the house gets torn down and you buy it that never happens
0: and i just drove by the day my roast was like they the house is being torn down and i drove by talked to the guy um and my original idea was just to buy like these big beams that i saw the whole uh whole way through and he was like nope we're only selling it um for the whole thing and we went back and forth and whatever and then we were like screw it you know let's let's just buy all the wood until we bought everything um and that's been a huge pain in the ass, kind of moving the wood. First, I had to move the wood all to a couple different, um, uh, like, barns where I'm storing it and stuff like that. Um, but it's all packed up. And the cool thing is I've talked to this same architect, and he is so pumped about using this wood. You know, it's like this 80-year-old, all hand-carved wood, all the uh, all the, the floorboard for like, you know, made by hand. And uh, it's just, it's incredible. like thick, old, old, great, beautiful wood.
1: So how, much, how many Chilean pesos does it cost to buy the wood of a torn down house?
0: It was, um, we paid him a million uh, pesos, <laughs> which sounds like a lot, but it was like uh, $1,600, I guess, in the end. But it's like a, you know, it was like a, it was a huge house it was gigantic it was like probably 2500 square feet you know it's it's a lot of wood it it's two two barns full you know it's it's incredible
1: um, all right mike I, uh, um so quick note here to break the fourth wall i realized um that i don't have both lines up here so to call gabe um All right, we're going to try this. I'm going to try to put you on hold like the old days and then um, call Gabe and then have everyone on the same line. Hello? Gabe.
3: Hi. All
1: right, one second. Let's see if we can get Mike back on. Mike? Yes. Gabe? Gabe? Hi. Yeah.
3: Double. We did it.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, Gabe, Gabe, our famous friend in L.A., Gabe in the car. What's going on?
3: I'm in the car, guys. All
1: right. We love how you sound terrible every time you call into the podcast. The listeners love it.
3: I'm driving to a vegan breakfast.
1: All right. Well, Mike's got to go. He's going to go camping on his land in Chile. We just had a great pod, but we got to get to the gambling portion here. Um, To remind everyone, Chris is getting married in July, July 8th, if memory serves. He's going to go to Crate and Barrel to get the registry done tomorrow before the Pats game. Um, Gabe is famous, and he lives in L.A., and Mike lives in Chile and doesn't have enough money to build a house with all the wood he just bought or come to Chris's wedding. So we've each pooled $100.00. To um, gamble with our, to try to get Mike a plane ticket, which we're estimating is between $800 and $900 um, plus taxes and fees. So, um, Gabe is our our, uh, resident expert, um, or at least he fashions himself as such. The current status of our portfolio is down. We have $290. Um, At one point, we were up to as high as $560 or $570. I While I was waiting in the parking lot for uh, Rob, the Russian key maker, to um, fix the Subaru last weekend, as we've heard in this podcast, I decided to jump the gun and place the bet myself because Gabe was in international waters and had no control, and I managed to lose us, I think, 250 on the Patriots not covering against the Jets. So, what's our strategy here, Gabe? We've got to make a move. We've got to go back up above 400 at least, and we've got to try to get Mike this ticket.
3: I'm nervous about the pass line. It hasn't moved since the Gronk move. We're still at 13 and a half, which I don't like.
2: Hi. Let's bet it all. Let's bet it all on the Pats. <laughs> Here's
3: what I think. I, I think we should go deep into a teaser here, guys. Should we talk it through?
1: Yeah, tell us what a teaser is. I already explain what twatter is on this podcast, so we don't need to explain that. So explain what a teaser is, and because we got four people on different lines and Skype and all that, just talk us through the whole way, like telling a story rather than a back and forth.
3: All right, the teaser is you get two teams, and you have to win both bets. but it pays out even money, so we could bet 200 and win 200. The benefit of of it is, you get points back on the board. So instead of the Pats having to win by 13.5, they have to win by 7.5, which I like a lot better. Now we then have to pick another bet to go with, and there's a lot of fun options because everyone is now down six points in a teaser. You get points back. So we could have the Broncos plus three against Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything always with teasers seems too good to be true. You've heard the Bill Simmons that podcast before, so Pats minus seven and a half, Broncos plus three, or we could do the Chiefs plus twelve against the Falcons.
1: So the, pro- the as I've stated in in other you know communications between the group, the problem is that we rode the Pats. We should have been riding the Pats earlier because they've got they they're like something like eight and three against the spread right now. And my fear is that they're not going to beat the spread as much as they have been. So, because Vegas is trying to recoup their losses with people betting Patriots spread. So, my only thing is like seven and a half is better, but do we know they lost to the Eagles last year at home in a similar game? Do we, are we, sh- do, well, we're not sure of anything. Do we have any fear about the Patriots not winning by, you know, 10 points tomorrow?
0: If they don't win by, what is it, seven and a half? to Jeff Fisher and to yeah. the Rams, I don't want I don't want to come back to New England. So I say we, we bet that and we pick another game. Where were we talking about Alabama game?
1: No, I was I said that Alabama, if you if you you could do that was Cousin Sal on the Simmons podcast said you could you could combine a money-line parlay, which means that just Alabama and the Patriots both have to win. I don't know what the uh, the payout is on that, but um a small
3: payout. I think we should stick with with the NFL which we're, we're bad at betting but we think we're good
1: at it. all right well you, you know that the Jaguars have been frisky the last four weeks they've covered the spread I think so you got to be careful with Luke
3: the... right, we, we're teasing it we got the Broncos to lose against the Jaguars and three points
1: okay and so you mean they just have to the Broncos just have to cover
3: yeah the Broncos can lose by three points and we could still win the bet
1: and are we gonna bet it all? Like, are we just are we gonna leave ourselves anything to play with? And like, should we leave ourselves like a ninety dollar kitty in case we in case we blow the whole thing?
3: I like that. Let's bet. I think we should bet one ninety to win one ninety. Okay. And so we have a hundred bucks left, which we can then try to ride all the way back to nine hundred if we lose this.
1: All right, Mike. Do you want to just explain to everyone why you hate gambling before we say yes?
0: Well, I'd like to point out that we we talked about this at the beginning of the year, and my one fear was that um, I'd be, like, watching the Patriots and not rooting for them to win, but for them to cover the spread.
2: That's exactly what happened last week.
0: That's, that's, that's what yeah. exactly what happened last week. And so the whole time I was not thinking about How are they going to win this game? I was like, how are they going to win this game by eight points? And it kind of ruined everything for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel good about this bet. I, I like this. We pick the Pats uh, seven or whatever, seven and a half, and then we pick another team.
1: All right. Well, this is horrible pod. I wonder how we make this better <laughs> pod. Um, but, I mean, this has been an incredible pod. I just know that this is us. Us not knowing anything about gambling doesn't make good pods. I know. Here, here's a good question. Baker, what is Mike going to what's the What's the number one thing from this week that Mike's going to miss out on if he doesn't come to the wedding? this week like you know in the development of the wedding what's one feature that he's going to miss out on if we lose this money the pizza oh, oh, oh the pizza so the
2: wood-fired pizza yeah. wood-fired
1: pizza mike
2: wood-fired pizza mike, wood fired pizza, mike. The, the uh gelato at the end of the night Ooh. yeah
0: can i um can i buy can I stuff buy from, from crate and fire? barrel
1: online <laughs> wait one one at a time you're gonna buy it on crate and barrel
0: well, can I buy stuff online if you register there, just in case I can't come?
1: <laughs> Gabe, what are you saying?
0: I was wondering if you were gonna what fire the pizza
3: or just talk shit about it once it's made.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I offered to make or it. Both. I offered I told them they should spend instead of spending ten thousand on pizza, they should spend five thousand on an oven and I'll make the pizza. But I would completely have a meltdown and scream at everybody, so we can't do that. Um all right, so I think, look, the landline listeners just need to know that we're going to make a bet. It's probably going to be not that good, and, you know, there's at least a 55% chance we'll lose it because that's how, that's how Vegas does things. Um, and we'll figure it out on text messages that we send from our computers so we're not violating the landline code about cell phones. I like that. All right, Gabe, anything besides the vegan brunch about L.A. you want to tell us? I mean, you are like an, a four-time Emmy award-winning producer, most recently of John Daly's 30 for 30 documentary on drinking and playing golf. Any updates you need to give us?
3: Um, I went to my first fundraiser
1: last night. And what are we talking here? Cancer, autism, inner city schools? They was to the support, uh,
3: veterans of the Iraqi and Afghanistan war. All right. Because. Very conservative of America.
1: Very conservative and of America
3: you. in these times of de- in these divisive times.
1: That's nice. How how did it go?
3: Uh, it was good. Shannon Sharp was there and they did a part of the fundraiser was they did like a Q and A sports talk where Shannon Sharp admitted that Rob Gronkowski, this was pre injury, was on track to have a better career than Shannon Sharp was.
1: Did he refer to himself as Shannon Sharp?
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Who interviewed him?
3: Skip Bayless was there. Shannon Sharp and Colin Cowher did a did a talk.
1: All right. Well, we would make fun of those people, but they're your coworkers, so we won't do that to you. We
3: should also talk about how Chris Baker changed the. Fox Sports One broadcast when you told us when you broke the Gronk news.
1: All right, tell us that story. That's great. We'll end on that note. That's 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 landline's impact on the world, which has been a theme of this podcast.
3: I was, you know, walking amongst the cubicles in the Fox Sports floor, and I looked at my phone as I always do, and there's a text from Chris saying, Gronk done. So I immediately went into my boss's office, who's a big Pat fan, and told him the news, and he like frantically called down to the control room i like, made them. Even though there's an NBA guy on, on live on the show, they had to start talking about Gronk immediately.
1: Now, weren't you worried that? I mean, that that doesn't set a good precedent. That's like sort of Khrushchev and JFK during the Cuban Missile Crisis. How are you sure that the information you're receiving from your friend, the orthodontist in Hanover, New Hampshire, was accurate?
3: I mean, don't worry. I made sure to check at least six Twitter sources before I went in there.
1: Yeah. And from the election, we know Twitter is always right. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, what did the NBA guy do? Did he do okay? How did he, how did he do on the move during that segment?
3: He did okay, but they, they, got, they got Lombardi back, of course.
1: The expert. Lombardi doesn't go on Denison <laughs> Callahan anymore. He—he he, Minahan, or whatever it's called. Minahan apparently burned that bridge officially.
3: Well, all we care about is Chris
1: makes an impact. All right. All right. Well done. Very political, Gabe. All right. That's it. Landline Podcast, December 3rd, 2016. Go Pats. Mike, have a beautiful day. We won't, we won't, uh, we won't resent you if you stop watching football. We're actually all hoping for it. Um, Baker's feeling, feeling a little bit better. My wife delivered an egg sandwich to the Landline studio. Where, where Baker's sitting on the toilet. How is that sandwich?
2: It was unbelievable. Thank you very much, Anna. Delicious. I'm
3: saying you can't say she delivered anything until she has a baby.
2: On. That's right. No, that's
1: what. She's just practicing. She's just practicing bringing food to a child. (laughs) Gabe, have a beautiful brunch. I would stay away from the seitan and the tofu. Meat, Meat substitutes are no way to be vegan. Just eat good vegetables.
3: Okay, I'll take that.
1: All right, Mike. Have fun. Thanks everyone for calling.
3: Yeah, love you guys.
1: Bye, Mike. I love you guys. Bye,
0: Gabe. Bye. Landline is hosted, written, and produced by Alex McKay. The best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend. Find other episodes of Landline on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and talkforaliving.com. Call the Landline at 617-744-1895. Music by the Pitchfork Revolution out of Bend, Oregon. taking this show to the top baby listening to Landline.